Well, good morning, Watermark family and families that are gathered together and the larger body of Christ that is with us online. We hate that because of the circumstances that are in Texas right now, and David already reminded you that when it gets below a certain temperature, we have a tendency to lose our minds, but we don't think we lost our mind this morning. Um, let me tell you why we did what we did. One of the things that I'm going to talk about here in just a second in 2 Timothy is I'm going to remind us that God has given us a spirit of, among other things, love. And the scripture tells us that we should not think too much of ourselves. The scripture tells us that we should be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Because thousands of people gather with us um, on Sunday mornings here, it, it takes hundreds of us um, a lot of work to greet you well and host you and care for kids and to make sure that um, our pastor's conference each week goes on in a way that blesses us as we're gathered together. And I'm gonna remind you, that uh, we're glad we can serve people in this way, but God does want us together. He wants us uh, uh, gathering and reminding each other with, I think, as much as we can face-to-face, flesh-on-flesh, to greet one another, not with a holy kiss, but with a, a holy encouragement that should happen as best we can when we're geographically together. So we're grateful for this technology, but let's not get too comfortable with uh, comfort. What we want to be committed to is... Um, spurring each other on to love and good deeds and everybody God intends. And I'm going to give you a chance to think about how you can do it this morning. Kids, we're going to talk about you in just a way. But one of the things that we did is we realized, hey, there's a lot of people, hundreds of people, that if we kind of go with our wait and see mentality, it was going to put a real inconvenience on them. And, um, you know, our, our parking lot is salted and we were ready to, to plow it as much as we could. But we also know if folks are waiting till 6, 6.30 in the morning to get the call from us, hey, you do need to go ahead and come, it was going to be a great inconvenience to them. And so we frankly were willing to look like uh, we needlessly canceled the geographic meeting this morning uh, and look like we were maybe even scared to do something, which we're not. We're more prone to say, let's go, let's go, let's go. But we felt like the most loving thing to do was to make this decision um, in a way that was not going to put people who are faithful servants and want to love and encourage you in a place of, of greater inconvenience. So we can't wait till we're back together gathering. But this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about something that frankly has uh, some application for today. When the world is not as it should be, right? When weather shuts down things that you wanna do or when something far worse than just weather that's an inconvenience gets in the way. And weather was an inconvenience this week in Dallas-Fort Worth and on I-35 and ended up costing numerous lives because it wasn't just a weather problem, it led to physical death for some individuals. We know that a lot of you are experiencing um, trouble in this world. Some of you on this Valentine's Day uh, are troubled by the fact that there isn't somebody who loves you the way that you desire to be loved in an intimate, adult, committed relationship between a man and a woman. Some of you, as you gather with your family, your mom or your dad is not there. Some of you have lost people this year that you love. And you start to look at this world and you say, what kind of God would make this world? Why would God have to tell us we don't need to be timid? Let me just read to you 2 Timothy 1.7. It's where we ended last week. And I wanna remind you that we encourage you to read 2 Timothy every day while we're in this series. You'll start to memorize the book without even trying to. You'll certainly memorize the first parts, but you'll see the major themes that go through there. And I would encourage you to use the sermon guide, which um, reminds you of the truths that we teach each Sunday morning. And those of you that want to go deeper 
There's application questions and other links to other messages that will amplify what we said in that brief time. But what about those of us on this particular time on earth that are hurting? And we wonder why God says through Paul to Timothy and frankly to all of us that God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, but one of power and of love and discipline or self-control is what some translations would say. Why doesn't God just create a world that doesn't require us to be so courageous? I'm gonna answer that question this morning. It is Valentine's Day, and, um, and, and God didn't just leave us, okay, um, in this world uh, alone. God ran to us in our timidity, in our fear, in our sadness, in the face of death and trouble. God came running to us, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it's why we give ourselves to one another. I wanna remind you last week that as David taught through the very first parts of the book, we saw Paul's effort to tell Timothy how much he loved him. And, and I'm gonna stick this in right here. Today, while we're isolated from one another, today when you think of people who are not having the Valentine's Day that they want, we need to remember one another and reach out to our community, to those that are trying to figure out if there's gonna be a place for them to connect and be in community right here. Uh, one of our applications from last week is that one of the ways that we know that God remembers us is when we remember each other. And so I wanna encourage you to remember one another. Shoot a text right now to other people or as soon as this message in our time of worship is over. Make an effort to run towards people in this world that is not as it should be. So why is this world the way that it is? What I wanna do is answer just for a second why we need courage and why God says, rely on my power. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. Why can we grieve in the face of death? But as we're about to read next week in 2 Timothy, God has abolished death. And so we grieve and not as those who have no hope. God reminds us that he's given us his spirit of love. And so the way that he came to rescue and he came to serve and he came to remind us of our value, he wants us to do that with one another and he's given us the power to be disciplined or self-controlled so that we don't just move towards comfort and away from um, danger as we love. Because love hurts. All right, kids, listen to me. And mom and dad, I'm gonna give you an illustration that you can use with kids, maybe later if they've already run around and They've already um, taken off and we've lost them. How can you teach kids about the goodness of God in the craziness of this world? Here's what I would do. Uh, let me just give you just adults first, a couple of what's called syllogisms, which is just um, the way that people think about life and reality, okay? Um, this world that God's left us in is a world that needs courage, okay? Um, you know, one, one wag said it this way, courage is knowing it might hurt and doing it anyway. Stupidity is the same, which is why life is hard, okay? I mean, listen, if you do the wrong thing consistently, it's going to hurt. But if you do the right thing sometimes, it's going to hurt. And so we do need the power of God to not grow weary in doing good. We need the power of God to love the way God wants us to love, because love can hurt 
When you give yourself to somebody and you say to them, I love you, they don't always love you back. Sometimes people commit their undying and unending love to you and then their love grows cold. Here's a little syllogism. Someone said, and it's true, that God, we know this, is the creator of everything. God is the author of everything. And then people would come and say, okay, if God's the author of everything and evil is something, therefore God is the author of evil. Why would we want to worship a God that is the author of evil? And the answer to that is there is uh, a little bit of a problem with the premise, okay? Because we know that God is not the author of evil. If you want a, um, a fancy word that won't relate to your kids, Augustine said that evil is an ontological parasite. Ontology is a, a, a heavy philosophical world that talks about um, the study of being or of essence or of existence. And if God exists, the possibility that something that is not God could exist. If God is good, there must be non-good. Now, God is the uncaused cause. He is um, eternal. He always was and always would be. But when God says that he is good and he creates, there has to be the possibility that something other than God would exist. Follow me on this. It's um, easy to explain this to your kids this morning because um, when scientists study um, uh, heat uh, and study cold and study temperature, they, they, they would just basically say that all cold is, cold doesn't really exist. Cold is the absence of something. Cold is the absence of heat. It's like darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Evil is not something God created. Evil is something that you get when you leave the goodness of God. Now watch. Um, how about this? Every creature we know God made. He's the author of all things. And every good and perfect thing, the scripture says, comes down from our father of lights with who there is no um, variance, no shifting shadow. But watch this. Every creature God made is perfect. Perfect creatures, we would say, then can't do what's imperfect. But there's a problem again in this. Because people will flow out from this and just say, hey, look, therefore every creature must only act perfectly, but that's not true. Here's why. Now watch this. God made everything perfect. That's true. Um, and one perfect thing that God created is free creatures. Now kids, this is where I want you to listen. God makes people free to make choices, okay? And, and, and the reason God did that is because if you're gonna be a perfect creature, you have to be able to love. Somebody had my friend throw me up a stuffed animal, all right? So watch this real quick. Um, this is a big stuffed animal. And kids, if I uh, told you that you could have this stuffed animal as your friend and it would be your best friend and you could name it, you could give it whatever personality you wanted, you could make it um, laugh when you wanted to laugh, like <laughs> you could make it want to hug you if you wanted to and this thing can come up and just say, look, oh, it's, it's my best friend. It would have tea with you if you're a little girl, or it could play sports with you, and you could tackle it if you're a little guy, or whatever you want to do. But here's the thing. You know, at the end of the day, this is not a real friend. You can make it so this, this bear, this friend of yours, would never hurt you, never discourage you. But this is not a free creature. And God made 
everything perfect. Part of what God did to make something perfect is he made it free so that it could love because this little bear can say, I love you on it, but it can't love you the way that you want to be loved. This bear has to have the ability to choose to love you. And here's the thing. If you choose to have real friends, they're gonna hurt you sometimes. They're gonna not wanna play with you. They're gonna wanna play something differently than you wanna play. They're gonna say mean things to you. They're gonna choose to not always be everything you wish a friend could be. But when they do love you, when they do learn to be like the God that created them, and when they make mistakes, seek your forgiveness and make amends and, and turn from their evil ways, and then they do nothing from selfish or conceit, and they learn to be a kind and good and gentle the way God wants us to be, you're gonna have the greatest friend imaginable. Even though they're still gonna be imperfect, you're gonna appreciate that kind of love. And real love is not forced and pretend. See, God didn't wanna make people to be forced to love him. God gave people the freedom to choose. So in that little syllogism, because people have the freedom to choose to love the God that put them in an Edenic situation, showed him his kindness and showed him his goodness, but he still said, hey, you will by faith see that I am good and you will not choose to determine what is good and evil on your own. You will believe that I'm good and you will love me. And as long as you love me, all will be well. There will be no cold, there will be no dark, there will be no death because you'll be with me and there'll be light and love and the warmth and the beauty of God's creation. But the truth is, and the scripture says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way and the Lord allowed us when we left him to move away from kindness and goodness and light and love. And death came into the world. Now, adults, next week, starting in verse eight, you're gonna see what Jesus did when we did that. But up here in verse seven, when we're told that the reason this world is not as it should be, the reason God wants us to not be timid, but to be courageous and filled with hope and to live in the power of the hope that we have and to love one another in the same way that God loved us and to be self-disciplined and not selfish is because he wants the world to know about his love, about his goodness. Kids, it is a fact that imperfection can rise out of perfection. And here's how. It's when we choose to go our own way. When your friends choose to be selfish, when you choose to, be, to act in anger or insecurity um, or out of uh, selfish want, it's gonna damage relationships. And that's what humans have done. This world is made up um, of the brokenness that you get when you leave God. I don't think Eden had ice storms and broken pipes. I don't think Eden had traffic accidents and death. I don't think Eden had divorce and abuse and loneliness. Now, some people would come and just say, hey, Todd, well, why doesn't God do something about this? And here's another little syllogism, right? If God was good, he would stop evil. If God was good, he could stop evil. Evil doesn't stop. Therefore, God is not God. And I don't think I want to serve him. 
or God is not good and I don't want to serve him. But there's problems with that kind of thinking. Just because God hasn't gotten rid of ice storms and traffic accidents and death and divorce and betrayal doesn't mean he won't. Here's another way to think about this. If God is all good, he would eliminate evil. And guess what? Next week when we study verses 8 down through 12 and then the finishing of the chapter, you're going to see that he's done exactly that. If God is all-powerful, he can eliminate evil. Evil's not yet eliminated. So therefore, we know that God will one day take care of this world. He's overcome evil that's in this world. He's rescued us out of sin and death. But for a while, he's left us in this world of sin and death. Why? So that we can love. So that we can declare to other people the way out of this world that is waiting judgment. God's going to deal with evil one day. And we have to start with letting him deal with the evil that's in our hearts, the evil of sin that says, I don't need God. I don't need self-control. I don't need anything but what I want. And that's what creates sadness. That's what creates the world that we're in. This is not the best of all possible worlds, but it is the best of all possible worlds that will lead us to a place where we see the goodness of God, the beauty of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God, the power of God, the mercy of God. And right now, what God wants us to do is to remember his calling us, remember the privilege he's given us, and to be his ambassadors in the world. Now, as you go and study on your own, and as you spend some time, let me just say this to the, the adults. Go back over last week, and I'm gonna remind you, that's why you should um, remind people that God hasn't forgotten them by being a source of that remembrance and reaching out to them. David did a great job last week of encouraging us in that very specific way. And be reminded that timidity or lack of courage is not a part of God's playbook. God wants us to have courage in this world that has traffic accidents and cold. And we're going to see a great example of that in Paul and in a friend of his called Anisiphorus, who is a guy that we ought to learn to be like and what he did. If you want to go and get ahead of me, read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. But adults, look at the verbs that you're going to see as you read through this section of Scripture that we're going to study next week. Build your own message. Look what Paul says when he, he tells you, therefore, in light of the fact that God's overcome the world and rescued us out of death, what should we do? When he tells us that we've been made um, ambassadors of this incredible message, what we should do. And he's going to say this in verse 12, retain. What should you retain? Go take a look. Guard. What should we guard? Go and look. And what kind of individuals should we purpose to be? and follow the example they've set for us. That's verses 15 through 18. I can't wait to teach it. The reason we're not gonna do 40 minutes on today is because we know many of you are with your families and because we want you to study God's word for yourself. But we're gonna dive in next week. Here's what you need to know for today. This is a world that is dark and cold and filled with hopelessness and despair because in our free will, humankind, has turned away from God and gone to his own way. But as Paul wrote to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10, God has done something with that cold, dark world. He has entered into it. He has 
taken on the form himself of a bondservant. And though all of us had gone astray, the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And he has abolished death, so we don't need to be scared. He has given us hope and life and immortality, the scripture says. And then you have been made an ambassador of these things. So kids, go play with your stuffed animals. But then thank God that he didn't make you a robot that he's shown you his kindness by offering himself on a cross for you. This Valentine's Day, you want to know what love looks like? It's not a box of chocolates and flowers. It's him giving his life for you and telling you that he loves you and that you're worth his own suffering to be reconciled back into relationship with him. And if you're reconciled back into relationship with him, then let us continue to be reconciled to one another. Who's somebody you haven't loved well this week that you can reach out to? I know you don't want to, but God's not giving you a spirit of selfishness. He's giving you one of self-control, of discipline, of saying, I'm going to decrease. Christ is going to increase and reach out and love them. And he's giving you the power to do that as you abide with Christ. So be courageous in this cold, dark world, even in the face of death. God's going to deal with evil one day. And the evidence that he's dealt with the evil that's in your heart and my heart is that we love. We walk in surrender and self-discipline and we yield to the power of God that is within us. All right. Play with stuffed animals. Just know that you're not one. You're free to love. You're free to accept the gift of grace from God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can't wait to be with you in person. All right. We'll put some other fun links uh, out there in this week's sermon notes that you can go watch some real truth real quicks on this and all the longer messages that develop some of these syllogisms even more about the problem of evil. But I hope you've been encouraged today. We'll be encouraged to be with you again. Let me pray for you. And then I think we'll close with some other good music that will encourage your heart. Father, thank you for the chance to gather this way. I pray as we play with stuffed animals today and we can make them do what we want, that we would be reminded that you love us so much more than to make us inanimate objects or to force us to do something. You show us your beauty, you show us your goodness, and then you let us as free creatures choose to love you. Thank you, Father, as we'll see next week, that you overcame our will to do nothing but rebel against you, and you gave us the freedom by your grace to see you for who you are, to accept your salvation for us, and then to learn to walk in your ways with power, marked by love, and filled with yieldedness to your spirit and your goodness. Would you bless families today, Lord, that are watching this? Would you be um, a present um, friend to those that are experiencing loneliness? Would you show us who to reach out to so we can show them your love today as we remember them? And may we be your people, your ambassadors this week lacking no courage, knowing that you've overcome the world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Enjoy one another. Have a great week of worship.